0: Are we recording? No, too
1: much! Too much! Too much! Alright, hey everyone. Hey okay. I'm not going to leave this. Hey
0: everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh.
1: I'm Kylie. And
0: on today's episode, we talk about Matilda.
1: 1996.
0: As opposed to... The book. Or the musical, or... Any other option. Right. Uh, I think those are the two options. The reunion. The reunion? Mm hmm. Ah, the reunion. Are
1: you gonna go to that Friends thing? It's played it at AMC, AMC sometime. Is it?
0: Yeah. I'd, I've been looking on AMC's website and I didn't see that it was coming here. Or I did. Oh, on, sorry. I was looking on Fathom Events' website ah. and said that it was coming here. Ah. Is it coming to ours? Because I will probably go see the Friends' 25th anniversary. If it opens here, so, and I'm not Is it, like, working. a
1: movie, or is it just, like, no, a TV? No,
0: they're showing... It's four episodes of the TV series.
1: Of the old one?
0: Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah, there's not a new Friends series. I'm
1: not interested, then. <laughs> yeah,
0: but for the first time ever, on a big screen. Okay, I'm all about, like, watching things on the big screen. That's where things should be watched. Except for tiny television, which was meant for television, like, I I would be interested to see what an episode of Friends looks like on the big screen, but that's not, like, it's natural environment by any means. It wasn't designed or built for a widescreen presentation, like, projected that big, so, like, it's gonna look kind of strange.
1: Yeah, Wednesday, 7pm.
0: This Wednesday?
1: Uh-huh.
0: Canceling all my work things. I'm not canceling all my work things but I may be able to go Wednesday's the second mm-hmm I have a thing at six I could probably get there by seven though
1: you didn't like practice throwing now <laughs>
0: <laughs> great yeah uh-huh awesome but now if anybody listens to this before Wednesday they'll know my excuse
1: <laughs> oh. do you want me to cut this <laughs>
0: You know what? Leave it in and double it. Mm-hmm. All the sound effects. Just double those.
1: I did that once. Yeah? I doubled something you <laughs> told me to double. <laughs> I got a really clean cut and I was like, oh, I should go for it.
0: <laughs> there
1: you go. This bagel is not, like, crunchy, so, like...
0: Oh, it's a good... It's a good podcast food. <laughs> <laughs> you're also... You're doing a very good job of, like, timing when you're speaking so it doesn't sound like there's a bunch of food in your mouth, which is, which is the
1: skill. Yeah, it's called swallowing your food before you start talking. (laughs) It's a common adult skill at this point. Or it should be.
0: I had another tangential Danny DeVito experience. You met him? No, I didn't meet him.
1: (laughs) Because if you had met him, you would have
0: sent me a picture. I would have been like, look, I met a hero. Egg. (laughs) (laughs) Egg. I would have been like, Danny, do the penguin flipper hands with me. Come on. I love do it, DeVito. Do it, Danny. He
1: doesn't seem like he has any idea what's happening anymore. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know what, Danny? You get it. You have spent all this time being a joke in Hollywood. And now here you are on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And you're continuing to be a joke, but for different reasons now.
0: Also, you've produced so, so many movies that are so important. So, like, Danny DeVito, right there. He
1: likes money.
0: He does. Well, you know, he's <laughs> a person. Uh, sorry, let me rephrase that. He's a capitalist. He's an American. Uh, two, two, two tangential Danny DeVito stories. Okay. One shorter than the other. The first one, I started watching The Virgin Suicides. So, like, 30 minutes in, I'm Danny DeVito's here. Great.
1: Good job. Why are you watching that?
0: 99.
1: It's not on our list, though.
0: Yeah, I'm out of things that I can watch (laughs) um, that I have. So uh, you're borrowing The Matrix, Uh and I don't have access to Being John Malkovich or Boys Don't Cry yet, but uh, Virgin Suicides is streaming on an app called Tubi, T-U-B-I, which is free. So,
1: yeah. Okay, I'm going to the Mid-Columbia Libraries and requesting it right now. All
0: right. Um. Th- yeah, I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, I've watched all the things that I can watch. Yeah, let's just keep watching other 99 things. Well, if you've noticed, too, I've watched a couple other things that are also not there.
1: I don't notice anything. Well,
0: there you go. Um. Second tangential Dana DeVito story. So Dana DeVito is in a little film called, a little not good film called The Lorax.
1: One Flew Over the Cuckoo's
0: Nest. But that, that, uh, I like that movie.
1: <laughs> it's just a little film.
0: A little one, yeah. No one's ever heard of it before. No. Called The Lorax. And uh, my students, my amazing students, uh, have determined to make it their goal that at some point we will do a stage adaptation of the film of The Lorax. When I've been like, no, we could do this cartoon, we could do the book, we could, like, lots of things that, like, if they existed, we'd totally do them. But that film, no thank you. So they've all made it a quest now, and they're tweeting at Danny DeVito daily in hopes that he will return their requests. So good job, students. Come on, you can do this. You can get Danny DeVito to retweet you.
1: I don't think he knows how to use Twitter.
0: I mean, he's on Twitter. He's verified.
1: So that doesn't mean he knows how to use it. Well, his
0: people know how to use it then. <laughs> Do you think it's Rhea? Do you think she's just like, Danny, I'm on the Twitters for you.
1: Who's Ria?
0: His wife, Rhea oh. Perlman.
1: Oh. Hey, gosh.
0: <laughs> oh, uh-oh. uh-oh. Dropping Danny DeVito knowledge bombs over here.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you not realize that this was the power couple that we all know? Right here. They're
1: married in real life? They're married in real life. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know her name was Real Pauline. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought, wow, that's the kind of person I want to be. Her- Mrs. Warwood? <laughs> no, thank you! Well, I mean, like, not if I had, like, children. I wouldn't want to be her.
0: But, like, now?
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, she stands up for herself. She doesn't take anyone's crap. She knows what she wants to be and bees it? I mean... She doesn't let her husband step all over her? Okay, sure. All those (laughs) things also true.
0: She's also willfully ignorant? Abuses her child? (laughs) Yeah, Um, I said if
1: I didn't have children. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Well, I'm just saying, Mrs. Wormwood, not not, uh, an icon.
1: I'm willfully ignorant about... Some things. She's willfully ignorant like, about
0: everything. Not about bingo. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Not about bingo.
1: I mean, like maybe I don't want to be an exact copy of her, but like,
0: you you are right. There are traits <laughs> about Mrs. Wormwood that we can we can all get by. Also, that
1: voice. I just love it. I just like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How <are> we do?
0: <laughs> I need you. I need you to to please, uh, to please do the rest of this episode as Mrs. Wormwood.
1: <laughs> I would have to listen back to it and be like, "Wow, this is awful."
0: Come on, I listen. Cockney Kylie needs a friend, okay? It's been a long time since we've had. A- Cockney
1: Kylie does have a friend. His name is Paddington. Cockney, Kylie, and Paddington get to hang out together all the what? time. I want to hang out with Paddington. Well, there's you're not Cockney Josh. Hello, I could be. It's on alliteration. No. no. <laughs> you can be Joker, Josh.
0: <laughs> Come on, everybody. Let's talk about
1: movies. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so excited to talk about that next week. Aren't we
0: all? So... We had another thing we were going to do here. What, what are you looking at?
1: Oh, I thought, for a second, I thought you own The Exorcist. The exorcism? The Exorcist. That's what it's no. called. No. And it's The Last Exorcism. But I just saw exorcist, and I was like, what? You own that? You don't like that film. I, it's the, I think I own The Exorcism of Emily Rose? You own The Last Exorcism. That's the movie I'm looking at.
0: What's the... That's weird. I don't even remember. Maybe Anne owns that movie. Yeah. Okay. She
1: liked it, which was weird, because she doesn't like films about possession. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. Would you own The Exorcist, because it's a stable in film culture? I would. Okay. It's also yeah. one of the top ten highest grossing films when adjusted for inflation, and I think you have to own all ten of those.
0: Is that the only one I'm missing? I don't know. Gone with <laughs> the Wind.
1: Dr. Chivago. Uh,
0: Yeah, I have that. Sounded me... I have, music. I have Sound of Music. Star Wars. I have Star Wars. Um, E.T. I have E.T.
1: I'm doing really good at this. Yeah, even you are. I, the Ten Commandments. I think that's what i Oh, I'm
0: I do not own the Ten Commandments. Okay. That's there.
1: I'm almost there. It's hard some t- All time adjusted. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know how to get to this list without going to the Sound of Music. Alright, so... Gone with the Wind, Star Wars, Sound of Music, E.T., ah, I'm so stupid, I should have had this one, I'm such an idiot, Titanic, Ugh, I hate myself, okay, Titanic, uh-huh. The Ten Commandments, uh-huh. ah, Jaws, Dr. Shivago, which I did name, because that one yep. always sticks out in my mind, because uh-huh. it's like, it's the one of these I haven't seen, I lied, there's two of them, uh, Snow White is number 10, I skipped The Exorcist.
0: So, The Exorcist and Ten Commandments are the only two that I don't own.
1: Alright. Yeah, we gotta get those. We can do it. Yeah. It won't be that hard. Yeah. Do you know what the next Disney film on this list is? It's 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, that's a
0: shocker to me. Um, 101 Dalmatians was actually a huge film when it came out. Really? It was one of them that helped. Like, because Disney, until the 90s, pretty much, like, was one of those studios that, like, every 10 years or so, needed a film to come along and save it. Mm-hmm. And the 60s version of that was 101 Dalmatians.
1: And then the next Star Wars, or not Star Wars animated film, Disney animated film is The Lion King. Nice. Wow, The Graduate's pretty high up here. This that's, is, it's so, it's so like... That's <laughs> what I
0: like about the adjusted for inflation <laughs> list, is that it's, it's accounting for just who, what movies were watched a ton. Because like, Endgame is, I think... In the 40s or 50s of that list. It's number 16. 16, okay. It's gone up since I last looked at the list then, yeah. But, like, even still, like, other than that, where is, like, an avatar on that list if it's there? 15. 15, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, The newest one that's highest up is Force Awakens at 11. Okay. Yeah.
0: So, people are watching movies, but not, not, not gone with the wind watching movies.
1: I mean, The Exorcist... Almost made a billion, a billion dollars. Adjusted. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, but like, I think it's important to talk about adjusted for ticket and, like, price inflation. Because, yeah, Because, like...
0: I wish that we would, and I understand why studios don't do this, but I do wish that they would track ticket sales, like physical number. ticket numbers, rather than, than money. Mm-hmm. Because again, the studios don't care about how many people are seeing the movie. They care about how much money the movie is making. But doesn't give us a true representation of how pop- popular that movie is.
1: All right, everyone. Well, if you want to tell us what the highest grossing film is <laughs> adjusted for ticket inflation, you can do so at Friend of a Friend Podcast. Do you have a Do you have a question of the week? <sighs> I have a good one. Yeah, go for it. Um, so should I should I should I say now or should I say later? Go for it. Okay. Well, Roald Dahl has made a lot of books uh-huh. that have been made into movies, right? Uh huh. So, what is an author who has also had a lot of their work adapted into film? Who's your favorite author adapted to film that's not named J.K. Rowling?
0: Okay. Favorite author adapted to film Mm -hmm. that's not named J.K. Rowling. Does that... Is that... Oh, man. Now i got to debate quantity Mm -hmm. or quality. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I took away J.K. Rowling, because that's an easy way yes, out. Yes, I absolutely. mean, I'm not saying yeah. that you would have taken it, but now I'm not even giving you the option.
0: Well, and then there's also something like, well, I mean, Tolkien, but I don't love the books. So, like, yeah, sorry, blasphemy over here. Or
1: maybe, like, adaptations of an author or yeah. something. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> Quantity. Quantity. <laughs> Uh, my answer is actually probably Stephen King, as snide as my answer just was. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that he has had a lot of things that people have taken, because there's an idea there that sparks other artistic mm-hmm. ideas, and they're able to take some of his broader ideas and put them into a film and make something if, not, if it's different from his own work, they're able to make something that fits the screen. In a lot right. of instances of Carrie, The Shining, Stand By Me, The Green Mile, other things. <laughs> oh, Misery.
0: Yeah. The oh, yeah.
1: Running Man. King is
0: also unique in this um, topic, only because I think now, and maybe even for the last 10, 20 years even, a lot of times... So if we are adapting an author, it is usually because we're adapting a series of their work. I think that we're losing this I maybe not losing but like we don't see as many of like the John Grisham's of the world. We're like we just did all John Grisham's books or we do I think the closest one that maybe there was far was Nicholas Sparks. Mm-hmm. Like he had a bunch of his books there. But now a lot of times it's like oh
1: the Hunger Games Hunger
0: Games person Twilight. Um, yes, like so
1: there are all Susan, those Susan something for Hunger Collins? Games. So Susan, Susan Collins, Collins and then Stephanie Meyer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then also another thing that, I mean, the other thing is like those, the ones that we named with Hunger Games, Harry Potter, and Stephanie, and Twilight, those are also pushed towards a younger audience. Yeah.
0: And so adult adaptations of like a consistent author, I think are like moving a little bit by the wayside. Um, my first thought that I wanted to say was Dr. Seuss, and I, but I don't love... <laughs> <laughs> Many of the Doctor Seuss adaptations, and nor do I think that a lot of times do we get, especially in film, do we get the adaptations right? I think we lose a lot of the, whim- the lot of like actual narrative, philosophical, and structural whimsy for just whimsy, uh, because Seuss has a reason for all of his things. So, McCarthy. Ah, <laughs> yes. The road. <laughs> no country for old men. Ah, <laughs> uh, I guess okay, I'm going to just Okay, I haven't seen enough to really, like, make this be full on my answer, but I'm gonna go with Dickens. Mm -hmm. I really like Charles Dickens adaptations for the most part. Um, and, and, And the ones that I've seen and been involved with, like, Dickens is an author who we see a lot of different ways that something can be adapted. Like, even if you just take the story of like A Christmas Carol. You've got, um, you've got musical versions of it, you've got animated versions of it, you've got straight versions of it, you've got really comedic versions of it, or Oliver, you have similar things there. But then you also get into stuff like Great Expectations and Wuthering Heights, where you can start adapting them and changing them into modern updates of the stories. I think that Dickens... Uh, the way that he speaks to his culture and society I think is really interesting in looking at ours as well. Yeah.
1: Okay, so you said Wuthering Heights. Did I, is that... And I definitely went, that's, sorry. that's a lady. That's Emily Bronte, <laughs> that I'm sorry. That is sorry. Emily Bronte. Um,
0: I didn't mean Wuthering Heights. I'm trying to think of what... Anyway. David Copperfield. David Copperfield, is yes. That
1: the one you wanted? Maybe,
0: who knows. Um. Yeah, I just... He I just You just started <laughs> saying... Old things. British things! No, um... Yeah, sorry. I just misspoke on that. But thank you for fact-checking that. Yeah, no problem.
1: Um, well, listen, I'm
0: just waiting for the, the for the adaptation of Bleak House, everybody. Come on, Bleak House. Let's do it. It's bleak.
1: You know who would be great at that? Yeah. Kenneth Loggerman. <laughs> I, Logman? Loggin? Loggin. Not Loggins. He'll, have some, he'll add some fun to it.
0: Yeah. The, he, he'll be like, hey, Matthew... Matthew, do you want to come be a a character here real fast? (laughs) My other option was also an old dead British guy. It was Shakespeare. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare would have been a good answer. Yeah, I like
0: Shakespeare as well for similar reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just lots of things you can do with that. Though I don't think there's been a lot of... Shakespeare Expansion's really. Kenneth instantly. is trying. Kenneth is trying here. Yeah, Kenneth, Kenneth
1: went down an Agatha Christie
0: Oh.
1: Train. <laughs> Agatha Christie train. Like, I have
0: done my time as Hamlet. Now I am Hercule
1: Hecupell. I'm the greatest
0: detective. Do you think somebody he was like, hey, listen. I want to keep doing Shakespeare things, but give me a crazy mustache. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, one or the other, man.
1: I think one that he was other. like, I want to keep doing Shakespeare things, and they were like, i are going to need to make some money then.
0: <laughs> and he's like, fine, Agatha Christie.
1: <laughs> oh, that film was a surprise hit. Yeah,
0: Death on the Nile was in the works until Fox was sold. Oh, man. But don't worry, Kenneth is good in the Disney machine. Like, he works over there a lot. Come on. What
1: if he... What if he was in a Thor movie?
0: Not just directing it? No,
1: what if he was in one?
0: As A person.
1: (laughs) As a villain. And then he... Oh, oh, it'll be like Thor facing what he once was. Can I tell you... I... No, I wrote... I wrote Thor 5!
0: (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) We travel back in time to New Mexico town. And here's... Kenneth.
1: <laughs> Playing Thor? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love Kenneth Branagh, but my favorite performance of his is still Gildroy Lockhart. I don't even care. Like, he's done so many other good, like, highfalutin important things. And I'm like, yeah, but. But Gildroy? Like, he's just having a great time. Like, he really is! Like, that's the true story. Which just- isn't he? <laughs> I mean. I haven't seen Artemis Fell yet, but I feel... I don't think he's in it. No, he's not. But I feel like that might be one of those things where he's like, I gotta do what to this book? Alright, fine. If it gets me my mustache back, let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, friends. If you want to answer the inquiry of the Half-Fortnite, which is, who's a prolific author that you like to see adapted you can do so at friend of a friend podcast at squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes if it's a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. <laughs> Great. Love it. That <laughs> helps us get more listeners. That right there. That sound. Uh, and now on with the show. So we're doing Matilda because uh, Matilda the Musical It's opening this weekend and I'm directing it. And so, yeah, good times. That's why we're here. There was another episode we were going to try to do, and then we didn't end up organizing it. We didn't even try to set it up. Yeah. We will. We will try at some point. Future. Maybe long future. Maybe short future. Life's a mystery. Um, And then we went through all the movies, and then Kylie pulled out one that I was good with, and then kept throwing out ideas beyond it, and somehow we landed on Matilda. Yeah, but this isn't like Sabrina. You can't say this is my fault.
1: No. Is Sabrina your fault? I
0: don't know. You always throw Sabrina <laughs> in School of Rock at me like, well, I... I wanted to do these!
1: Well, I mostly wanted to do Sabrina because I knew you liked it. And yeah. like, we don't talk about old films, and so I tried to throw you a bone.
0: I like old film. I like old film a lot.
1: Where is Sabrina? It it's, used... Oh, it's, it's, right it's still in my line of sight. I yeah. just needed... A little bit more. Sorry,
0: Planet Hollywood was blocking it. No, it's right here. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, then that's... Oh, Roman Holiday. Sorry. The cases for Roman Holiday and Sabrina are similar.
1: Yeah. Do they come in a set? They do. What's number one? I don't know. <laughs> do you own it?
0: No. <laughs> I got those separately, and I was like, oh, they're in the same set. Cool. I don't know what else is in the set. I'm assuming it's an Audrey Hepburn film, as she's the connective tissue between those two movies. Breakfast at Tiffany's. It likely is Breakfast at Tiffany's, but I already have Breakfast at Tiffany's. I think.
1: It's part of the Centennial Collection. Yeah, right?
0: I don't really know. Life's a mystery. So here we are today to talk about Matilda, because that was the movie that we settled on, and I had watched it about a month ago, or more at this point.
1: Ugh. What? Spider Man. Spider Man's back at the MCU. Yeah We did it everybody. So now our our team name from like six weeks ago is no longer humorous. <laughs> well
0: it's a it's a moment in time. What happened? Tell me tell me about why Spider Man how Spider Man's back.
1: Oh, I don't know. Twitter's oh, okay. just buzzing about it. No, oh, Twitter. Yeah.
0: It's all tweety.
1: Mm-hmm. CNBC reported it. Man, didn't,
0: didn't there used to be news to cover in the world?
1: Not right now. There's nothing major yeah, happening right no, now. Yeah,
0: no, nothing's happening at all in the world. Just just Spider-Man. That's that's literally all it
1: is. People seem to really care about it. I mean, I, I'm excited. Josh Rose. Okay, let's talk about Matilda. Alright. Maddie T. Uh,
0: Matilda. Good old Danny DeVito directed... Maura Wilson starring, Rhea Colt co starring, and two other ladies who I don't know their names off, off the top of my head M. Beth Davids and Pam Ferris, all star in Matilda.
1: Kylie, what was the first time that you saw
0: good old Matilda here?
1: Oh, I probably, probably was a child. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. any,
0: any fond memories any any remembrances before you watched it through this time as an adult
1: um the, the beginning of the film I really remembered and then like I remember like there's a scene that I'm always like I gotta fast forward through it cause I'm gonna throw up if I watch it um and then I remember like pigtails swinging uh huh and I don't remember, like, I didn't remember how the film ended. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, it was like, once she goes to school, I've, like, blocked out a lot of that. Because I'm like, ugh, now we just have to deal with, like, stupid school problems. School, pigtails, cake,
0: I don't know what ends. Yeah, cake yeah. is
1: the thing I have to, like, fast forward through. Because, like, it just makes me sick.
0: Okay, this movie... I remember watching as a kid and liking, but not loving. Mm-hmm. Because as a child, even, you might say that I was a little bit pretentious. Not I you. Know, I know. Shocking, shocking. Whoa, calm down. Everyone stay at bay. Um, and that's because... And I can't articulate it now because it's been a very, very long time. But I remember thinking that this this movie was very different than the book. And I don't think that in terms of the events of the book it's very different. But I think it's in terms of tone that this movie is very, very unique to the Matilda story and stuff like that. And I think that one of the reasons why is this is the only version of Matilda that is set in America. And all the others of them are set in England in some way, shape, or form. Um, And I just think that that gives it a little extra... I think that this movie is a little more grotesque in some ways than I think the... uh... Because we're not proper British. Because we're not proper British. But no, it's in to do with how the Trunchbull is shot and presented and in trying to make her a villain... What they do in this film is they don't let her actions speak as villainous. They try to make how she looks, how she's framed, how she, you know, is the the world that is around her and what her, her looks and appearance are help tell the story that she's a villain rather than just the actions of who she is. And that's a little more grotesque than what I think is in, from my, my, my memory of things. And two, the cake scene is gross. Like, it is really hard to watch. And that, I mean, it's good filmmaking in that sense of that is probably exactly what Daniel DeVito wanted to do. He was like, I need to take this idea of eating a chocolate cake and make it sing, seem hard to. Watch and gross and not a fun experience to have to sit down and eat the whole cake, but man, he goes to town a little bit, and that scene was a little hard to watch. But yeah, I just think the movie is a little bit grosser than my remember than my remem- my memory of it, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think a, for me a true thing.
1: Yeah, uh, this might come as a shock to a lot of people. I didn't read a lot of Roll Dahl. Yeah, because he was too dark for me when I was like a youth. Uh huh. Yeah,
0: too dark. He's a pretty dark dude.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that now we he ha- he's he's steeped in some controversy, um, with his anti-Semitism takes on things. Yes. Um, uh, uh, and so, I. I a lot of his work, I'm pretty indifferent to. Um, it uh, we read, we read Willy. No, we read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in school, and like, I would like go home and be like, "This is my life is terrifying." <laughs> it freaked me out as a kid. Um, and my brother loved that movie. It was like his favorite movie growing up, and so we always had it. And I was always like. <laughs> It doesn't go well for these children. Um, It kind of made me afraid to be a child. Uh
0: (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: Because, like, I couldn't defend myself against things. Um, Yeah. Whereas, like, a lot of times, not a lot of times, some of the times, the, the adults get away with a little bit more. Than the children do in doll books. The children in out books are punished more often than adults. Yes, and that was something that was mm, I wasn't prepared to deal with. Yeah, as a youthling, it's important to learn as a child that if you do something wrong, there are consequences. However, certain death on the horizon wasn't. Um. We also read The Witches in class. The Witches is the real one that was like... That's terrifying. Yeah. Um, so I didn't read a lot of Roald Dahl as a child, and so when a lot of these adaptations come out, um, some people are like, it's not like the book, and I'm like, well, shucks. <laughs> and I do We just couldn't get there, everyone! <laughs> And again
0: I've it's been a really long I don't think in adulthood I've sat down and read a single Roald Dahl book. <laughs> so like I can't I'm just going based off memory and honest to goodness the book itself of this might be equally as gross in terms of that as well. I know my most recent touchstone point is the musical which does take some of that Away, and maybe that's just how I'm reading it, and what I add to the musical as well. As I was like, no, it's the actions of the people that are as grotesque, that are grotesque, and it's not necessarily just about who who or how they look. Um That being said, Roald Dahl,
1: and in a in a book, you can spend more time talking about how things you can. look, and in a script, sometimes they will describe the characters, yeah, but not always, and that gives you more freedom for yeah. your casting and whatnot, yeah.
0: Um and and so Roald Dahl as an author I really feel like he's inspired a lot by classic fairy tales. Um and classic fairy tales meaning not like the Disney versions, like the Grimm brothers and the Hans Christian Andersen original version of fairy tales because he presents a world for children that is full of scary, terrifying, modern challenges. And I think that is the one of the reasons why his works, in particular, are still heralded and still adapted, is because they're modern tales of survival. Whether that be Matilda, or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, or James and the Giant Peach... Um, or The Witches, um, there's also stuff like the BFG, um, and other things. The
1: BFJ!
0: The BFJ! Uh, well, and honestly, you could say maybe some of the reason why the BFG adaptation doesn't work as well as a movie, which I really like this adaptation, but, like, Spielberg knows nothing of, of, uh, any, of...
1: Inner terrible. <laughs>
0: Spielberg can't be anything but sentimental about life and so that might be something that hurts that adaptation in some way, shape, or form. It feels like E.T. This doesn't feel like she's in threat very often. Mm -hmm. Whereas in this or in other things, in Matilda or in other things, you're like, oh, they're gonna die. Like, that's gonna happen. So I do find it interesting, though, that at least, I think it's I'm trying to think through all of the, like, raw ones. Matilda is not the only young female protagonist that he has, but maybe it's one of two. Roald doll. Yeah.
1: Protagonist?
0: The so, BFJ! And Matilda.
1: Uh, sure.
0: Because then otherwise it's...
1: Charlie Bucket!
0: It's Charlie, it's James. It's the guy. There's is, a boy in the witches. Yeah, he turns
1: into a mouse or um, something. Um, uh,
0: there is the Fantastic Mr. Fox... Um. Yeah, so he doesn't have a lot of female pro- pro- protagonists in there. And so I think it is interesting to me that Matilda... Matilda is the one of his stories for me that I think holds a lot of relevance still to today. And, and leaving aside what Dahl brings to it and just what the actual crux of the story is, is about this little girl who has to overcome all of these obstacles in her life and these obstacles are including uh the oppression by her parents the abuse that she takes not only from them but the trunchbull uh the society telling her what her place is um as a girl and as a woman and like all of these things that she has to then overcome and to basically say that it is a really interesting unique look that like it is she is a girl that's being told that knowledge is bad you know, and that she shouldn't learn anything and that she should be held down and she needs to fight and overcome that. And then even with the Miss Honey character of... Miss Honey is very smart but has always been punished or belittled or othered for her her knowledge and made to feel a small person. Um, and rather than taking these ideas and being allowed to, to flourish with them and succeed. And so I do... that's That's the nut and the core of this story that I like is that by the end of this story I guess spoilers for Matilda um, they both have come to learn that their knowledge is their power and that that power is something they can influence and make change on their world and in the world in general um, and that's that's the true none of the message that I really like about Matilda itself
1: TV's bad
0: TV's bad <laughs> um, I mean too much of anything is bad <laughs> yeah. let's be honest
1: too many books is bad <laughs>
0: can be yeah absolutely you can develop mind powers is that is that not the moral of this you read too much you get mind powers yeah (laughs) I do like your point earlier that you made that like the movie does have some icon, some like really iconic moments and images Uh but overall the story itself doesn't really hold a lot of weight or water and I think that does dovetail back to the book itself but, like, it always ends kind of anticlimactically because he does... A, the story itself and the film itself, just to talk specifically about the film, um, sets up the two antagonists. We've got Mr. and Mrs. Wormwood, the Wormwood family, and we've got the Trunchbull. And then we've got Miss Honey as the supporting character in here to help to help there. And the film's momentum starts with the Wormwoods transitions over to the trunchbull and then wraps up that entire almost like introduces obstacles solutions all of the above the entire literary arc of that story and then realizes oh shoot dang i still have this parent storyline to wrap up and so they come bumbling in in a car and they're like we gotta run away it is a little sloppy and I fully, like, any adaptation of it, I think that that is, is a downfall to this story, is that it, it ends... It could end so climatically and amazingly, and yet it's still got this last little bit to tie up. I don't know if that bothered you or... I think you, <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, there's a lot of things in this that just made it seem like it was... Uh, there are set pieces that last forever. Like, when they're in the, ho- in the house and they're trying to steal the doll... And then they have to escape. That went on for so long. And I was like, just get out or get caught by now. There's too much happening. And, like, so, like, and it was, as long as it was going, it was so superfluous to the plot. And I was not amused. Yes. Because I'm not a child. Yes.
0: Also, that is, that specific element is written differently in our musical, which I'm excited about.
1: Yeah. Ah, it's shorter.
0: How long is this movie? Oh, there's no (laughs) doll. There's no, like, going to get a doll in our musical. No,
1: I just, I was asking if that scene was shorter in your musical. Yes,
0: it's non-existent.
1: Good. Um, And then there's, like, when she, like, is at the classroom at the end, and she's like, ha-ha, I'm gonna kill this lady. (laughs) It's not what she says, but. No, she does it
0: with the rock symbol. (laughs) Uh.
1: No, you're not hardcore.
0: (laughs) Dewey Finn busts in.
1: I mean that's the perfect story of Matilda <laughs> is actually just school of rock. Yeah. Dewey <laughs> is the real Matilda figure. Uh-huh. At least within her turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> um anyways. Uh so there's just the, there were just so many long pieces that took forever seemingly to get through. And I was like, okay, hurry it up. Because like there the there's no plot there's not a lot of plot to this. Once she there's gets really not. Once she gets to school, it's just kind of like set piece, set piece, set piece, set piece, and then adoption. Spoilers. Yeah. And the climax of it is the climax is her dealing with the principal and not like asking her parents to sign the adoption papers. Yeah. And that's like the real issue. Because it's the relation, it's not the relationship with the principal. Because honestly, that I was like, oh, oh, oh they're butting heads. Because like that's,
0: well, Ugh. the movie also doesn't do the best job of wrapping up the Trunchbull Miss Honey storyline because it kind of introduces a lot of these elements really late in the game. But mm-hmm. the fact that there is more of a connection to the Trunchbull and Miss Honey, and the fact that like there is a whole backstory there, and it just kind of tries to shove it in. It's her
1: deep dark secret.
0: Yes and it just tries to like shove it in at the back and it doesn't always work as successfully as it, as I would want it to um yeah
1: yeah and then it's matilda like like Miss Honey kind of grows but like Matilda's ultimately the one that convinces Trunchbull to like not treat Miss Honey as terribly. Yes. When it's like, oh, it wouldn't have been great if Miss Honey was the one instead of threatening with the death of her, the ghost of her dad.
0: Yeah, I agree that that would have been a a stronger choice. Um,
1: (laughs) But then we would have had to develop Miss Honey better as a
0: character. And I will say that when Miss Honey is developed better, she, her arc is, is a little bit in figuring out how she can actually take care of matilda and how she's that person to be able to help her with those things and that matilda hat matilda's function in this bit is to help miss honey get past her own little blocks and i would be as if this were miss honey's story then we would want to see her um doing that herself but it is unfortunately very much matilda's story Not unfortunately in a bad way, but unfortunately in a way of, like, why can't it be both? Mm -hmm. I think is what I was trying to say there. Um, outside of script... I uh,
1: mean, like, listen, listen, I'm gonna say something. Yeah. There are ways that the story can be about Harry Potter, great, Uh but, like, Neville can do something. And that is, that's, that's what I'm asking for, is that we can, Matilda can still be the character, but, like, you can develop a character... To change over a yeah. film. I mean, like, even if we just... I'm, I'm only talking about the first one, even. Yeah. Neville has an arc. Yeah. You're not wrong. He has a greater arc with the host. Yeah,
0: but uh, even if you just look at the film series, mm-hmm. Neville's arc is pretty much done in two films. But
1: we're like, one, yeah, Neville!
0: One and eight. <laughs> um...
1: He has the courage to ask Ginny Weasley to the ball.
0: Oh, and four? Yeah. a yeah, little, little thing there.
1: Um, he's there at the Order of the Phoenix, right? He's there at yeah, the end. Yeah,
0: he's there at the end,
1: yeah. I just, that's... That's the group I want for Pops. And then the twins.
0: Alright, there you that, go.
1: That's what I need.
0: Um, In other versions of this, when you give it more time, mm-hmm. I think that the characters get more fleshed out. Or at least the characters of Miss Honey and Matilda. But this film doesn't give anything a lot of time, except for... The set pieces where it's trying to do some cool kids things. Moving past the structure a little bit. Uh,
1: performances, people in the film. Who'd you like, who you didn't like, what you think? Danny DeVito.
0: Danny DeVito. And Rita Perlman. All day. Yeah. They were great. That was great. Yeah. That was
1: like, it's like one of like the best performances I've ever seen. I loved it. Wait, which one? Both? Both. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so enthralled with them. I was like, half. Yeah. Stay home. <laughs> don't go to school. I just want to watch these shows. <laughs> I'm like, I know that Danny DeVito's doing his, I'm angry because I'm Danny DeVito thing, but like, he's good at it, everyone. And <laughs> like, I don't think, it's been a while since I've seen him be this mean in this way. Because I know as the penguin, he's like a little bit manipulative in his meanness. What's up?
0: Okay, so penguin. I was. I was with you until you said a little bit manip- manipulative. Penguin is straight up.
1: Okay. Well, Josh. Josh. I don't. I just trash. But he's manipulative. Okay. Fine. He's manipulating people, and he comes across sometimes as like. Uh, I know, um, but Josh, you're missing my point. Okay. The Penguin the whole way through is not the same level of anger. Sometimes he's talking to the news okay, and he's okay. like, I'm a sympathetic person.
0: Okay, I understand. Okay, I am missing. Okay, that, I'm not-
1: That po- performance has like- I'm on point now. Ebbs and flows. It has levels? No, it has ebbs and flows. Oh, okay, so sorry. <laughs> but this one is just mean and angry the whole time and I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always be this way, dear. I need to be- <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's no- there is um I love his performance. I think that it's really good. He's menacing without having to be like terrifying in that way. Like he's terrifying, he is, but like I guess let me rephrase that. He's menacing without having to be Big without having to be overwhelming because we know Dana DeVito is a small person. It's the um, so he,
1: he doesn't have the he doesn't need that physical, yes, that's trait. the word that I was
0: looking for. He doesn't yeah. need to be
1: menacing by his physical traits because of his performance
0: and because of his actions. And yes. because, yeah, and like he's almost this perfect, like, smarmy car salesman. Like, yeah, and then Pearlman is equally on point with it. Um, I'd love. I just I think she creates a really well-rounded character in terms of that, and and which to me is also why um, what I think is remembered from this film is the relationship with the parents and Mara Wilson as as Matilda because those are the scenes that like always pop into my brain as well. Like some of the images of the trunchbull are there, but for the most part, the school stuff doesn't it doesn't hold as much water. <laughs> Um. Would you think of Mara Wilson as as Matilda? She's a child. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. I don't mean that in a bad way, but like she's just a kid being a kid on screen. Um I think she's adorable. I I like that like good choice for Matilda, but I wouldn't necessarily say like there's any sort of real like performance necessarily happening there. And I don't mean that in a real backhanded way. She's a child. It's really hard that's hard to do.
1: And there are just times where she gives a very flat, flat line. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's Matilda or Mara's ability. But, like, there are times where it just didn't seem like it would fit. Because I was like, shouldn't I have, like, emotion or something?
0: <laughs> and she's like, books. Cool.
1: That's a library book, Dad. It doesn't belong to me.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: I'm not that, making fun of the child. That is,
0: that is an exact line <laughs> in our musical, also. <laughs> You'll see if it's got some emotion behind it, possibly. Who knows? Uh,
1: yeah. I assume it does. It does. It's being said by a, not a Mara Wilson child. age. Yeah. It's being said by a little older than them. Um, <laughs> I mean, Matilda's told this like six, so Mara's probably like six or eight. Yeah. <laughs> probably eight.
0: I would say ten at the oldest, but eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Um. <laughs> So, okay, I think, I, I mean, I think that I ha- another thing is that none of her friends are ever really developed. They only have no. a few scenes together. Like, there's one scene where they're, like, catching a newt or something. Yeah. yeah. And, like, they're like, <laughs> and then, like, then they just have the classroom antics. Yeah. And so, like, her friends don't feel like they're very important to the story or to her. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. You're not wrong I think that Matilda as on a whole works Matilda in its individual pieces kind of falls apart mm-hmm. um this to me is a good is is a fine movie it is I wouldn't say it's like the best thing in the world I enjoy watching it but the moment I dig deep into it the moment I start to see all of its flaws but a lot of the flaws to me will always come back to the structure of the piece because some of the things that you represent here are some of the issues that, like, even in that i remembering as the book or within the musical that I'm directing now, they also still exist there. And it's it's trying to overcome those things and give them more time. And it's hard. Like, when the story itself has... I guess it's a little bit of, like, into how we can, can adapt things or do things, but, like, when the story itself has... Internal inherent flaws. Like it's got a good protagonist, it's got a good antagonist, it's got a good message and a good arc. We can kind of forgive some of these things. Um, but the peripherals of the story become harder and harder to try to give their time and give their moments to without detracting from what the actual main purpose is. And Matilda is one of those stories that the peripheral elements are just not as strong as the core elements of it. And that's specifically with the movie. I'll say that, that, that critique too. Um, but yeah, good, not great in terms of that, but yeah.
1: All right, Josh, here comes our game. Okay. Um, it's time to rank the Raw Doll books. Or movies, adaptations.
0: We're going to rank them? You're going to. Okay.
1: Okay, kind of. Okay, so Josh, are you writing down the films?
0: Um, writing down the ones that I can remember. So let me see which ones uh, that are not on there. So there might be just some that I missed. So I've got uh, Matilda, mm-hmm. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Witches, James and the Giant Peach, The BFG, Fantastic Mr. Fox.
1: Okay, so those are, like, the main ones. Um, there's also a film called 36 Hours from 1965. I haven't seen that sucker. Okay, we're not going to count it, uh-huh. then. Um, Danny, the Champion of the World.
0: Oh, I did not know there was a Danny the Champion of the World movie. Yeah, I have not seen that. Jeremy so. Irons.
1: It might be a TV movie. Great,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, now, here's the other one. Here's the one I was looking at. This is your
0: existential crisis? It
1: go- might cause some controversy. Okay. And it's... It, okay, so... Oh. Ro- what?
0: Sorry, you go with your thing. What were you writing down? i pretty sure he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Is that what you were going to say? No. Oh, okay.
1: He, I knew he had a book called The Gremlins, uh-huh. which then I had to go like, so, so Gremlins. Is Gremlins Roald Dahl? The Gremlins is a book by Raw Dahl. Okay. But the adaptation of that is not really Gremlins. It's more like they just took the name and the character. It, it's, 20, 000, it's terror at 20,000 feet. Oh. That's the adaptation. Okay. Okay. So we d- we're not going to count the gremlins. Okay. Or we're not going to count gremlins. Uh, will
0: you confirm for me that he wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang?
1: Okay. He wrote the movie. However, it's loosely based on Ian Fleming's book.
0: So do we count Chitty Chitty Bang Bang because he wrote the screenplay?
1: Sure, if you wanna count it.
0: I don't need to. Okay, then no. Okay, great. okay. It's
1: not his adaptation. Okay.
0: Alright, okay. So I've gotta rank Matilda Willie Willy Wonka, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is James BFG Fox. Um, the bottom is easy, it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That one's easy. My
1: favorite
0: film? Um <laughs> go away. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven of these. Okay,
1: man. Who would have thought that that? <laughs> I always think about like that's the most underdeveloped character in all of history is Charlie in the Cho- is Charlie Bucket from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Well, there you go. And then Grandpa Uncle Frank or whatever his name Grandpa is. Grandpa Joe. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right. Uh, six is James the Giant Peach. My name is James. Uh
1: huh.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: That's a terrible film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, no, no question there. All right, we were just like, yep, should have been the bottom. All right, yeah. Okay, well, I'm so sorry.
1: Just for that song.
0: <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna do. Okay, from this point forward, I will say there are elements of all of the rest of these films that I like. I'm gonna put the witches at five, only because the. Th- I rewatched it as an adult, and I was like, oh, terrifying, but I was bored some of the time. So, like, good piece is not good whole.
1: Look well, get ready, Josh. Your best friend is remaking it.
0: Who's my best
1: friend? Josh, this director has always been your best friend, and you're always like, I mean, he's fine, but he's not my favorite director.
0: <laughs> Danny Boyle?
1: <laughs> no. No, Danny Boyle is, like, such a heartbreak for me. He's... <laughs>
0: Yeah, sorry. Oh, the Fall from Grace. He's fine, but he's not my favorite director. Yeah,
1: and you like some of his older films, but now you think that he's like lost his Tim? mind. Tim? Tim? It's not Tim Burton.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: that would have that would have been too on the nose. I was like, what's happening? I never called Tim Burton your best friend. Oh,
0: okay. Kevin Smith?
1: We don't call him your best friend okay, either. Okay, good.
0: Phew, thank God. Okay. Um, uh, he came out
1: with a movie last year that was bonkers. He came out with a Brad Pitt film the year before, which was boring. He did I like it? I think you we were just like, yeah, it was fine. It's kind of boring. okay. um he directed a film that's in your top ten.
0: Alfonso? No, no. um
1: what Brad Pitt film did he make last year? Oh. He wasn't in Roma or...
0: <laughs> he was he was in the background like, oh. Oh man, okay, top ten. Edgar? Um, no, Edgar's got one in there.
1: Brad Pitt's <laughs> not an Edgar
0: Wright film. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. The Coen brothers didn't have Brad Pitt in a movie last year. Um, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, huh, huh.
1: It's a, there's a trilogy that you're always like, you gotta finish, and I'm like, pretty indifferent about it. Bob Zemeckis? Bobby Z. Oh,
0: okay. Your best
1: friend, Bob Zemeckis.
0: (laughs) My best friend, Bob Zemeckis. Yeah, we-
1: uh, And then you always say, like, he's fine, but he's not as good anymore. Yeah, fair enough.
0: And I think Allied was two years ago.
1: What okay, this, that, the, no, because I said last year- and then the year before, a Brad Pitt film. Oh,
0: okay. Fair enough. Last Fair year, enough. the bonkers film was the- Welcome to Merwin. Yeah. Huh. Oh, Bobby Z. All right.
1: It, wait. It stars. You're going to love this. Oh, no. Anne Hathaway. Oh. Octavia Spencer. Okay. Stanley Tucci. Love it. You're on board so far. Yeah. Chris Rock. Okay, fine. All right, fine.
0: All right, fine. All right, fine. Yeah, let's do it. I
1: was just looking at this and I was like, Is... yes, yes, yeah. Uh, okay. Is
0: Chris Rock the boy? Does he get turned into the mouse?
1: Um, you know, there's not a bunch of. I'm on. I'm on Wikipedia. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. At this point. Oh man, Guillermo del Toro expressed interest in making a stop motion film. I feel like every film that comes out, Guillermo del Toro was once interested in making.
0: Yeah, Guillermo del Toro really likes movies. <laughs> so he's just... Also, everyone really likes Guillermo, so they're like, Hey, Guillermo, do you want to make this movie? And I feel like Guillermo's first response is always, Yes, I will do that. And then, like, his agent has to be like, Guillermo, you already have 17 other jobs. Stop saying yes. Okay,
1: wait. There's some things revealed. Um, Kenya Barris will co-write the film, which was revealed as taking place in Alabama during the 1960s instead of the novel's 1980s England, and that the boy protagonist, originally an English child of Norwegian descent in the novel, will be portrayed by an African-American actor. Chris Rock! (laughs) I think he's gonna gonna play the dad. Oh, okay. Han Hathaway's the witch, right?
0: I'm assuming. Okay. Well, what were my other options? Octavia? No, she can't be the witch.
1: Who else was the other person you said? Stanley Tooch. Tooch just... is the witch!
0: <laughs> Touch the tooch. Get it.
1: He hate you so much. <laughs> okay. Um, so wait. Okay, so witches was number five. Yeah. What's number four?
0: Okay, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of doing some quick, like, research onto, like, what my brain has already publicly said. Um. And so I just have one more thing to look up. Okay. Okay. Um, I think four is the BFG.
1: A-F-J. I
0: think three is Maddie T is Matilda. And I two. think two. Oh, okay.
1: Now here's the rub for me. <laughs> okay. All I right. I don't like either of <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you, you, your name is in one of them.
1: I know, it's annoying. Okay, can, okay, that's right.
0: Mean uh, Girls is my favorite. Okay, can you clarify what this, what am I ranking right now?
1: Your preference. My Yeah, preference. which one do you think, which one you like more? You're in a fire and you can only grab one of them. Because you got Charlie under one hand, so you need to grab one of the DVDs. Which one do you grab?
0: Clue? I grab Clue.
1: Hands uh, um, got Clue.
0: Okay, great. I also think in this scenario, Anne has Charlie. There's no way she's letting me walk out with that cat. <laughs> like she's like, "Nope, mine." <laughs> All right. Um, okay. If you ask me, what I think is the like a better made movie, it's probably Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. But which one might have more emotional resonance to me? It's probably Willy Fantastic
1: Wonka. Mr. Fox. <laughs>
0: So I'm going to have to go with Fox at two and Wonka at one. Wow.
1: Kay. No hot takes to be found in this entire list. Uh, though I will you say. You pretty much just BuzzFeed that, that list. <laughs> just send it on to them and be like, I got it, guys. I figured it out for all of you.
0: I'm going to tell you that I do not think that that is necessarily a true story because I feel like they would have that stupid Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie
1: higher. Number
0: five? Yeah. It'd be like, you know what they'd do? They'd be like, listen everybody, uh, we know that you think that this is not true but like, the Johnny Depp version is great so it's number one. If I had to rank them on what my favorite story is, or things, it, it's Matilda's my actual favorite story. Just like, this is the quality of the movie.
1: Well, everyone. There we go. We did it. Um, uh, My favorite old doll is BFG.
0: <laughs> Why don't you rank them? You rank them up.
1: Uh, okay. Um, Because it's going to make you angry. <laughs> That's okay.
0: Make it angry. Bottom Wonka.
1: No, he's not the worst. I just like Gene Wilder. Um, uh, James and the Giant Peach. The Witches. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Charlie. The (laughs) (laughs) Chocolate Factory. What what else do I have left? Wonka Matilda. Willy Wonka Matilda BFG. There you go. (laughs) You did it.
0: Number two. Number two. You're a solid top three option, Matilda.
1: I don't have a lot of options, Josh.
0: It's <laughs> spooky. I would, you know what? It, even though I like this movie, Matilda is a good, like, if we're going to remake some things, Matilda, I think, is a good candidate. And maybe legit, do the musical. Like, go full on musical with it. Because I think that this story can be as relevant today. That's what I like about this story, and specifically the musical itself. And you know
1: who's going to direct it? Who? Paul King. An, yes! I got it.
0: Mr. Paddington himself. Not Ben Whishaw, but the director himself.
1: It took you so long to admit that Paddington was not a real bear. And then when I caught you in that lie <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but like, it was so bad. I'm so sorry. I failed you all. I failed you. I failed you. I know. I kept it in and doubled it.
0: <laughs> That's the thing you doubled? You're like, Josh, right? was thinking, Josh, right? was thinking, his bit's done. His dumb bit's done.
1: You still need Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. However.
0: <sighs> Alright, friends. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you? You can do so at Friend of a Friend You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five-star review or any-star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. Joker's gonna win an Oscar. <laughs> oh God, you're right. Uh, you can also hit, up, uh, hit us up on Facebook at Friend of Friend Podcast and Twitter at. Does
1: Joaquin have an Oscar yet?
0: He's got a nom
1: for Gladiator.
0: <laughs> no. Oh gosh, is that what it's for?
1: I feel like it's for Gladiator, right? Here, I'm looking it up. A uh, right. friend of where? Where am I looking? Uh, Twitter. Uh, DWC, or yeah, DWT. No. DWT underscore podcast YouTubes watch together Tumblers watch together Letterboxd WACT and Kelly Galsher
0: Thank you so much for listening. We're looking up one thing before we go off the air. There's
1: three! Okay, okay. They're Gladiator? Uh-huh. They're, um... But this one I totally forgot because I don't like this film. Is it
0: I'm Not There? No.
1: Okay, um... Is it... Someone else won an Oscar for this film that he's in. And the star of? Lady, oh,
0: it's uh, Walk the Line. A lady one. Walk the Line. Uh-huh. Is it more recent than Walk the Line Is the, the yeah. other one? Can you give me a year?
1: 2013.
0: Uh, what are you doing in 2019? Uh, the Master.
1: Yeah. There we go.
0: All right. right. I've been Josh. I'm Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.